This is a download from the Wireless Theatre Company. Company. Welcome. We are the Wireless Theatre Company, and we hope that you are all sitting comfortably and are pleasantly refreshed and ready for the evening's entertainment. And before we continue, we do have a few small suggestions. Um, if at any point you feel you may be taken over with terror, then please feel free to grab the hand of the person sitting next to you. Um, should we try that? Terror! Well done. Also, if anybody is scared of the dark, then be warned. Blackness awaits you during this next experience. So what are we dealing with here? Stories, of course, nothing but tall tales. And the inspiration for this evening's yarn comes from one of the greatest of all writers of horror, terror, gruesome and macabre tales, Edgar Allan Poe. You will be witness to this unique live event. We will be creating images in your minds with sound. So, if I suggest you think of a graveyard and imagine the stillness just for a moment. Now, close your eyes. Come with me towards the damp, mossy ground. A matter of a few yards ahead of you, you will see a small mound of earth start to stir. Without warning, a hand comes shooting out of the ground. Before you, you turn and you run. Your heart beating out of your chest, the hounds of hell fast approaching, but you cannot run, fear has you rooted to the spot, the head of a rotting corpse is thrust from the earth, emitting a blood-curdling scream. Well, if I were to tell you that this is all in your mind, now you can sit back while we tell you the story of Stotterston Hall. True, nervous, very, very dreadfully nervous. I had been and still am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all, the sense of hearing, acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. But then, am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how calmly, 
I can tell you the whole story. Welcome to Stotterston Hall, a sprawling but crumbling country manor in the heart of a dense forest in Old England. The hall belongs to Mr. Eastman Grimm, a once powerful man nearing the end of his years. Grimm's staff, who have been attending to him and the estate for generations, are now only comprised of this one man, Edgar, and his wife, Marie. Along with these two, resident in the damp, dark, old place, is Lenore, the housemaid. Our Mr. Grimm also has a nephew, Master Lawrence Grimm, who is a resident of the nearby town. And at the beginning of our story, we find Edgar and his wife Marie in the bedroom of Mr. Grimm, the dying man. Listen to you go. I am simply stating a fact, Marie. The cat must go. That isn't a fact. It's a request. And one I shall roundly deny you. Deny me, eh? Along with my own life, a sense of dignity, and the comfort of a warm marriage bed every (laughs) once in a while. You fawn over it tirelessly, Marie, and it's purring, for God's sake. Of course she purrs, you ridiculous man. She's a cat. If I'd wanted the company of a gigantic, vibrating sack of hair, I would have let your sister move in. Bernice serves a purpose. She gets rid of the rodents. Believe me, darling Marie, the rats all left this sinking ship a long time ago. Soon to be followed by Mr. Grimm. And then what? Oblivion. Small wonder the old man's illness shows no sign of tiring. So cold in here. My darling, I'd have thought you'd be used to the cold with your frozen heart and loins. I'm surprised I managed to maintain my frozen heart in the face of your constant hot air, Edgar. We should build the fire up in here. You mean I should? Does it matter who does it? Just do it. The coal is low, and we cannot receive any more for at least a week. Why? Must you question everything I say? Edgar, I should like to know why we can no longer afford the basics. We can afford it just fine. However, we would do better to learn to economise, at least until the old man recovers. And maybe then we can... Look at him, Edgar. He's dying. There'll be no recovery, not this time. Ah, so now you're a doctor, as well as Major General of this house, and pain in my arse. And what of us? If he dies, where do we go? Go? Nowhere. We merely trust that the old man made provision for us after he's gone. My family has tended to this estate for generations. I cannot believe we'd be left in the cold. Well, as long as that awful nephew doesn't interfere, you remember him. Of course I remember him. Yes. Oh, I especially like to watch you during his visits, fussing and swooning around him like a girl of 16. You preen for him more than that disgusting cat you fawn over. More hot air, Edgar, but none of it solving our problem. And leave Bernice out of this. Were it not for her, you would spend your nights chasing mice by the hundreds instead of drinking with those disgusting tavern folk. Now, as the... (laughs) Man of the house, do you have any idea how to stop us from catching pneumonia? Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. I think a good idea would be to close off unused parts of the manor. The east wing, for example, can be sealed quite effectively. It has those awfully drafty windows. Ah! Ha! Mm. Lenore! Uh, 
have the clean linen, sir. Good. Lenore, I think you may be able to help me. Do we have any uh, thick curtains or material? I wish to seal mm. the east wing for the winter. Nothing is to be found up there but the dust mites and that confounded old grandfather oh. clock. We can seal it off with, with heavy material for the remainder of winter. Less space to heat means less fuel needed to heat it. Oh, brilliant, sir. Quite brilliant. Thank you, Lenore. Yes, thank you, Lenore. Sorry, Mum. <clears throat> yes, I believe we have something suitable in the cellar, sir. Excellent. Uh, retrieve them and I shall meet you in the east wing. Re retrieve them, sir? Yes, Lenore, make haste. Uh, uh, what, what, what? what? What's I'd, the matter? She's I'd... frightened. Isn't that right, Lenore? Yes, miss. Frightened of what? Oh, it just gives me an awful feeling being in there, sir. Such a big, dark space. And you can hear things moving in the corners. Well, very well. I shall come and Don't assist you. silly, Lenore. There's nothing in there that can cause any harm, even to one as clumsy as you. Be gone! Yes, miss, if you say so, miss. Oh, how wonderfully compassionate of you, dear. Sending a terrified young girl down into the cellar all by herself. How perfectly noble. Well, I'm sure you'll be the perfect gentleman and accompany her. Make sure she feels very protected. I'm going to rest in my chamber with Bernice. Please do not disturb us. From the cellar door, Lenore descended down the creaky wooden stairs into the blackness of the old cellar. All the way down, telling herself not to be afraid, that nothing could hurt her, that nothing lay waiting for her in the dark. She found the curtains, thankfully, at the foot of the stairs, then turned and bolted back up to the light as fast as she could, slamming the door behind her. You see, there was nothing to be afraid of after all. If we start by sealing the shutters in the rooms, then we can hang those curtains over the entrance to the doorway. Len Lenore, what are you staring at that for? I hate it, sir. That grandfather clock, sir. Hate it? Whatever for? Oh, it gives me an awful feeling, sir. Like it's trying to eat me. But <laughs> you think the clock may be trying to eat you? Mm hmm. Suck me into its big gears, sir. Is it true, sir? Is what's true, Lenore? What they say about the clock. In town. Over here from time to time in Quiggins, the butchers, when I'm picking up the chops, that the story behind the clock is one of heartbreaking misery and despair. Mrs Malaprop said, sir. M Mrs Malaprop? Yes, the sir. same Mrs Malaprop who, rumour has it, sleeps with her German shepherd. Oh, no, she's an onion, sir, but she Lenore, said... You're, you're, <laughs> you're shaking. What did she say? Stopped working the very second Mrs. Grimm took her last breath. Yeah, I doubt that very much. <laughs> Unless Mr. Grimm was so upset about her parting so young that he went and stopped it himself. Was he? Were they in love, sir? Yeah, I believe so. Although I was very young and had neither the time nor the inclination to raise the matter once she'd been buried. <laughs> well, I feel safe with you nearby, sir. Good girl, Lenore. Enough of this. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> 
This way, Lenore. Let's start with the windows in here. Oh. Is it locked? Yes. Come to me, Lenore. Oh. oh, how I've missed you in my arms. How I long to spend more than fleeting moments kissing your soft, full lips, Lenore. Oh. Oh, I long for you too, Edgar. In my cold, lonely bed at night, I wish you would come to me just once in the cold of light and lie with me. Yeah, I would, if it weren't for Marie and the fact that she sleeps with one eye open. Oh. Promise me, Edgar. Promise me that one day soon we will be together. Oh, yes, I promise. Just move that to one side a little bit, would you, Lenore? Oh. Promise me, Edgar, that we can sniff daffodils in the moonlight while playing pool sticks over Baton Bridge. What? Promise me, Edgar. Oh, yes, yes, I promise. Just move that down a little bit, would you, Lenore? One day soon we will be together. Yes, yes, together, side by side. It's what I live for. When will you tell that horrid wife of yours? She picks on me lots. Why have you stopped? <laughs> Promise me, Edgar, when will you tell her? Yeah, oh, I have a plan. Good Edgar. Just need to pick the, the right moment for the big reveal. Oh, Edgar! Oh, A fierce winter raged on around the grounds of Stotterson Hall. Mr. Grimm in his bed drifted in and out of consciousness sometimes appearing so weak that the priest would be summoned. But other times he would be found set up, coherent, demanding things to be fetched and carried for him. It really was the strangest illness to behold. On one of the worst days his health had displayed, as well as one of the bleakest days Edgar had ever witnessed, Mr. Grimm's nephew, Master Lawrence Grimm, arrived at Stotterston Hall. Ah, Edgar, how are you? It's a tragic winter, Lawrence. The worst I've seen. It takes its toll on an old building such as this. Do you refer to the bricks and mortar? Or your aging bones, Edgar? Oh, come now, Lawrence. <laughs> there are merely months between us. I know, Edgar, but you wear them so well. Plain for all to see. But enough of the pleasantries. I come because I have some news. Good news? Good news merely requires a telegram. When a personal visit is required, the news is always bad. Ask any officer of the peace. A simple good or bad would have sufficed. Obviously, you yearn to show off the fruits of your expansive education. Or is that just expensive? One cannot put a price on one's education, Edgar. Yeah, you say that, however, I got mine free. I simply read the books in your uncle's library. Uh, good for you. Unlike the news, which is bad. For you, that is. With every day, my uncle grows closer to death. I have quietly resigned myself to losing him, although not without much regret. For he has been a shining example of manhood for me to follow. Yeah, funny, he hated you. I suppose that matters not. The old man decreed long ago that the estate should remain wholly within the family. And having no son to pass it on to, it shall come to me. And I have decided that I will be pursuing a buyer as soon as the deeds are passed over. And before the ink has even dried, I would imagine. Do you know how long my family has tended Spare to this... Spare me the lecture of the history of Stotton's Den Hall, Edgar. I have not the time nor the stomach for it. I would say the least you could do is thank me. I mean, be about, be about your day. Thank you. And, and why would I do that, Lawrence? I came here today to give you this information so that you would have the maximum amount of time to prepare for your future away from here. That was a courtesy I did for what you. What rubbish, Lawrence. You came here because you wanted the satisfaction of telling me yourself to aid your feeling of petty victory. And all because you know the old man was fond of me and not of you. 
Clearly. That's why you're being thrown out. Ah, Marie. Dearest Marie, how are you today? In excellent spirits, Master Grimm. I've told you before, Marie. Call me Lawrence. But that seems so informal for a man of your standing. You could always call him Buggerface. That settles it. Please excuse my husband. He loses himself from time to time. Unfortunately, he always manages to find a way back. Could I interest you in a drink of some kind? Edgar, you have a wonderful bottle of Romani Conti Montrachet 1937 just sitting in the cellar. Oh, the vineyards of France. Indeed. Why not, Edgar? Oh, yes. And when you've let him drink it, why not take the stem from the glass and have him stab me in the crotch with it as well? Here, I'll draw a target so he'll know where to aim. God forbid you could tell him. Thank you, Marie, but I do have to be going. Another time. Of course. Au revoir, Lance. Au revoir, Marie. Goodbye, Marie. Well, my business here is done, and I've said my piece. Good day, Edgar. Lawrence. Yes, Edgar? Reconsider. Please, this place is all I have. All you had, Edgar. <laughs> it's a strange thing that a man so composed in himself, when faced with a situation requiring nerves to be solid, will try to find them in the form of a liquid. The local tavern was warm, and Edgar, though having no real friends, could find within its associations some comfort in anonymity. After drinking his fill of courage, Edgar made his way back to the estate. All I had. All I had raised this place to the ground and none shall have it, not even you, Lawrence. His intentions were not clear even to him. Fantasies played around the edge of his sanity. And in the darkness of the kitchen, Edgar found a bottle of whiskey and the resolve to take his darkest fantasies to a place he never knew existed within him. Thanks, I get. My family, generations, generations, you haggard old wolf. In the dead of night, Edgar drunk made his way to the old man's door. He slowly opened it to find him sleeping in his familiar way. Edgar closed the door, turning his back on the wheezing grim for a moment. Then, upon turning, oh God, saw the old man sat upright in his bed, his black, vulture-like eyes staring at Edgar through the near pitch darkness. The eyes spoke a truth that Edgar had dared not, a truth about Edgar's intentions of murder. Do not look upon me, sir, old man. You have pushed me to this. Stop! Looking at me! Edgar lunged forward, pushing the old man back down upon the bed. He grasped his throat and squeezed, squeezed with all his might and Close rage. your eyes, you devil! The old man's eyes bulged, and his dry and cracked grey tongue took the form of an old dying serpent questing forward to find purchase on the air. None came 
Edgar squeezed the life from the old man until there was no more. He then fell upon the body and wept. He knew not how long he lay there. But as he came to his senses, he realized that the night grew short. He had to act quickly. He took several personal items from the drawers and wardrobe, packing them into an old suitcase he found beneath the bed. What have you done? What have you done? All of you! He then dragged the body and the case to the cellar, to the most remote corner of the vast underground room. And there he dug into the earth a hole of some five feet in depth. He then, using the saw from the woodshed, cut the legs from the old man. Never had he seen so much blood. He wondered how the grey old man had kept it all within him. He threw the pieces of the man into the hole and covered him back over with earth. He then went to his study, lay down upon the reading chair, and fell into a deep sleep. When he awoke the next day, Bernice, the black cat, was staring at him. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. What have I done? You must act quickly. Think! Edgar. Listen to me, Lenore. You must think and think very carefully. Did Mr. Grimm say anything to you last night when you finished feeding him? Not a word. Although, no. Although, what? Spit it out, Lenore. It may be of great importance. Well... When I was wiping his chin after feeding him the last of his broth, mm-hmm. he said something. Well, what did he say? Well, I don't know. It was more like a mumble, really. Could have just been a bit of trap windfall, I know. Well, could you, um, could you make the noise that, that, that he made? Well, I could try. <laughs> something like... It sounds, it sounds like, um, like, thank you. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I don't think... I'm not asking you to think, Lenore. I'm asking whether or not you believe Mr. Grimm may have said thank you to you last night when you finished feeding him. Well, he may have. Right. Was, was there anything else? Anything at all? Or what about the, uh, the surroundings? Oh. Well, all seemed normal, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, blankets folded, old man in bed, fire blazing. Aha! You, you say the fire was blazing, Lenore. Well, it was. Now, earlier you said that you were downstairs preparing dinner for the old man before you took it upstairs to him. Now, I'd imagine for a period of about, uh, of about two hours, at least. Well, it was scotch broth. So, so he must have stoked his own fire while you were downstairs, the wily old fox. Anything else? No. Are you sure? Yes. Are you positive? Well, I think so, sir. What about in the next room? Oh, yes. Oh, almost forgot. Uh, it's a little bit embarrassing, though. He'd left a little present in the bedpan. A little present? Oh, uh, so how, how was that in its, um, in its, uh, in its form? Normal. 
I suppose. A healthy one. If you like, sir. Shit's a shit, though, isn't it? <laughs> Edgar, the Nor. What on earth is all the commotion? Oh, Mum, it's a mystery. Edgar. Uh, calm yourself, Lenore. Marie, I think you'd better sit down. Why? What's going on? E Edgar, you're frightening me. Read this. I've decided to get some air. This disease that is eating me perpetuates itself in my stuffy bedchamber. With fresh air comes fresh ability to heal oneself. I will return. What is this? I found it on Mr. Grimm's bed this morning. Absurd. How could the old man have found the strength to rouse himself, let alone dress, wash? When did you find this? This morning. It's a mystery to us too, my oh, dear. Surely you can't believe it. It matters not what I believe, Marie. We have cold, hard evidence. Lenore has said that while she was preparing dinner last night, the old man must have stoked his own fire. Well, actually, that's not And that actually, he even said thank you to her, mistakenly, after she finished feeding him. Well... And on top of that, he left a little present in the bedpan, a healthy one. A healthy one? A shit's a shit, isn't it? He's been bluffing to us all along. Why? Why would he fake disease and pretend to be bedridden for months? This we have yet to discover. I'm sure he will come wandering in here any time soon and all will be revealed. Oh, fool, Edgar. If the old man has fled his bed out of sheer madness, then we have a duty to try and locate him immediately and to tell Master Lawrence but at once. But, my dear, what of the note? It is quite clearly in his hand. I took the opportunity to compare it to his ledger notes, just to be sure, and it is a perfect match. Huh. I'm sure there is an explanation, but please, let us fathom it out between ourselves before we involve the authorities. Very well. Right. I shall contact Master Lawrence nonetheless. If you must, dear. Edgar? Yes? You were in the tavern last night. Yes, why do you ask? All night? I, I, I really don't remember. I'll contact Master Lawrence. Edgar. Yes, Lenore? Come here, Edgar. Not now, Lenore. Can't you see we have more pressing matters? Oh, what could be more pressing than me? Good question. Very little at times. Oh, I see. You no longer look at me the same way. You're making plans to remove me from your life, and after all the promises you made me... Oh, I'm heartbroken. I must go and write in my diary. Lenore, please, nobody is being removed. I have a lot to think about in all this. Please do not add to my pressures. Look, I love you, my darling. And when all this is over, we will be together, I promise. Just let me get this other nonsense out of the way first. Am I still your little chicken stick? You're my little... Pumpkin dumpling chicken stick. No, Edgar! Oh, Lenore, let me take you up the south wing. No, Edgar. I must fetch the bucket and bedsheets for Mr. Grimm. When he comes back, I want him to have nice, crisp sheets to get into. You'll just have to wait. Besides, she's watching. I can feel it. One last kiss. There you go. Oh, Lenore... Benice? Benice? Oh, Lenore, have you seen Benice? No, Mum. 
What are you carrying? It's my mop and bucket, miss. Mind yourself, the water's dirty from scrubbing the outhouse. Come here, Lenore. Mm. Let me look at you. Such a pretty face you have. <laughs> Such a pretty, young, beautiful face. It's such a shame. Oh, what's a shame, Mum? Well, for a girl like you to be stuck out here alone, without the company of a man. A boyfriend. Oh, Mum, you're very kind, but I really have no need Why for such bother. Why don't you go into town from time to time and see if any of the young farmhands might want to take you out walking one evening? Oh, I went walking once with a farm boy, miss. He made me climb a tree with him because he wanted to show me a branch that was shaped like a cock. But I thought it was more like a pheasant. I couldn't understand it myself. And anyway, and then I got stuck and he left me there. I was shouting help for ages until somebody found me. But by that time I was feral. They had to coax me down with a pot of mutton gravy. Right. Uh, anyway, could you be a dear and have a quick look in the cellar and see if Bernice is down there? I would go, but you see my shoes. Cellar? Miss? Yes, Lenore. The cellar. There's the door. Come along now, she might be hungry. Oh, 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 oh miss, don't understand. I really don't like it in there. Please, please, miss, I don't like it. I really don't feel comfortable there any other... No, miss, please, 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 miss, please, I don't like it, I don't like it, Lenore! Marie! Miss! Please! Crawl, what are you doing? Please! Lenore! What is that? Lenore! You don't hear it? No, she's silent. Open the door. I can't, it's stuck. Hold on. <coughs> She's fainted. Are you surprised? Mean old woman, be gone! Oh, oh Edgar. Oh, I'm so frightened. Oh, help me, Edgar. Can you feel my heart beating, Edgar? Yes. Yes, I can. There is, of course, no smoke without fire. And where circumstances arouse suspicion, one can always expect the long arm of the law soon to rear its head. Good afternoon, Mr... Oh, please, Inspector, call me Edgar. Of course. Good afternoon, Mr. Edgar. Uh, no, no, just, just Edgar. My name is Edgar. Oh, sorry, Edgar. Uh, good afternoon, Edgar. Good afternoon. Uh, now, um, obviously we... We, uh... What do we have to do? Uh, yes, we have to start this investigation at the beginning because there are there are um, uh, a lot of important details. Edgar, can we see the note my uncle left, please? Yes, of course. Here. Thank you. Now, uh, now, do you have some other um, some other version of his? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. No. Here are his ledgers of the last few years. You can see the hand is a match. May oh. I see that? Yes, of course, Lawrence. So, tell me again. You awoke yesterday morning to find my uncle no longer in his deathbed, and this note had been left in his stead. Yes. A sick man, a man at death's door. So it would seem. Meaning? 
Uh, well, um, according to uh, Lenore, our housemaid, he uh, may Could not... you spell that? Uh, yes, uh, L-E-N-O-R-E. L-E-N-O-R-E. For November. Yes, uh, O-R-E. O-R-E. Right. Thank uh, you. Well, according to... You're welcome. Um, Lenore, um, he may not have been as debilitated as we had It's a very first. pretty name. Yes. Um, well, according to the pretty name, he may not have been as debilitated as we had at first thought. She said he had definitely added fuel to the fire mm -hmm. in his bedroom, which mm -hmm. had burnt away while mm -hmm. she was cooking, and he thanked her mm -hmm. after she finished feeding him. Thanked her? And this was unusual? Oh, yes, he'd been far too weak to speak until then. I see. Anything else? Um... Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. He, he, he left a little present in the bedpan. A, a healthy one. Really? A mm -hmm. healthy one? Well, I'd always assumed a ship was a ship, but I suppose that could be evidence. Have you kept it? Have, have, have we kept it? No. Shame. Well, it all looks like he may have moved his own accord then. This is ridiculous! Well, yes, I feel that he may have been um, perking up a little bit, but mm -hmm. not wanting us to know he'd remained in the vision of ill health. And then mm -hmm. he thanked Lenore by, I, I don't know, by mistake. Thanked her by mistake? then delivered a healthy movement and ran off into the night to do what? Thanked her by mistake. He was a very well-mannered fellow, your uncle, but you'd have known that had he spent more than five minutes in his company, Lawrence. Inspector King, it is my belief that this man has done some grave harm to my uncle. I feel it my duty to inform you at this stage that there was an unpleasant confrontation between us the other day regarding the sale of this estate upon the death of my uncle, and that words were exchanged. And this has led Edgar to do some rash and terrible deed. Master Grimm. Master Grimm. Yes, Master Grimm. Uh, surely the hastening of the sale through the ending of your uncle's life would be motive for you, having so much to gain from it. After all, why would Edgar end the very life that was keeping him in his home? Yes. Why would I end the very life that was keeping me in my home? Where were you? the other night, Lawrence. Uh, please, Mr... Sorry, please, Edgar, allow me to conduct my own inquiries, then we can get to the bottom of this matter as quickly as possible. Master Grimm. Yes, Master Grimm. Um, where were you the other night? I was at home, alone. Very well. I see no reason to believe anything other than what this note tells us. The old man, deliriously or mischievously, left the house for reasons that he alone knows. We must wait... Another day, at least, before we can consider him missing. Now, I would like to conduct a, a brief search of the grounds for my own satisfaction. Edgar, would you accompany me so that I may use your uh, knowledge of the surrounding landscape to gain an idea of possible routes of escape? Of course, Inspector. Thank Just you. this way. Ah, oh, Marie, do mind my wife. If you get too close, you may get sucked into a vortex of misery. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Hello, dear. I'm just accompanying the Inspector around the grounds. Very well. If you could find it within yourself to disappear as well, I would be enormously grateful. Good afternoon, Marie. Lawrence. <clears throat> oh, Marie, how my arms long to pull you close to me. My hands long to hold every part of you. I cannot live without you. <clears throat> Oh, Lawrence, please continue. No cage, be it made from wood, steel, or stone, could keep my love for you for long. I could, if I could pilot an airplane with my love, it would fly. 
from Dover to Calais. Oh, oh Lawrence, when shall we be together? Soon, my love. As soon as I take possession of the estate, I shall sell it and we shall move away. Away to London. Away to London, Lawrence? Yes, Marie, to London, where we shall dine amongst the finest in society. Oh, where shall we live, Lawrence? Whatever you wish, my love. What about Charing Cross? Or Regent's Park? Oh, Regent's Park. I like the sound of that name. So regal. You shall be my queen, Marie. Oh, Lawrence, take me. Take me here. Take me now. Oh, oh Lawrence. Oh, Marie. When Edgar was a young boy, he cut a pigeon's head off with a shovel. Now, you may believe that he did this out of spite, or worse, some kind of sinister thirst for murder, but he did not. He found the bird in some distress within the grounds of the estate. A car had struck the bird and broken its neck, and the bird lay on the ground, half paralyzed, short of breath, and very much dying. So Edgar took the shovel, and brought a fatal blow down on the bird's neck, decapitating it. And at the moment of death, the bird's eye opened wide and seemed to stare into Edgar's soul. He ran away in tears, hiding in his room for hours before his dear old mother was able to explain that he had done the right thing and that she was proud of him. You see, Edgar was naturally kind and gentle. But as our tale attests, even the best of us have dark places in our souls, capable of feeling the most wicked deeds. Deep in the cellar, Edgar sat beside the mound of earth he had made and wept. How could I have done such a wretched thing to you, my master. You were, in fact, a very good man. I would like to think that you had been in, in some terrible pain which I released you from. I would like to believe that, yes. I would also hope that this terrible act did not condemn me to an eternity in hell, for I should very much like to sit beside you in heaven, sir. But, alas, I fear my destiny has more twists to endure before I meet my judgment. Lenore! What have you done? What have you done? You've killed him! You've killed Master Grimm! Lenore, I, I, I can explain. Please stop screaming. Yes, yes, I did. I did kill the old man, but you don't understand. Please listen to my explanation. I, I, I killed him because he wouldn't stop looking at me. No, that's that's not right. It was because I was drunk. Yes, but I've never killed anyone before. I am not a murderer. Why do you look at me like that? Am I not your little sugar dumpling anymore? Edgar, panicking, reaches for the shovel he used to dig the grave for the old man. Lenore, you must stop screaming! He swings it blindly at Lenore, catching her throat perfectly. Her eyes explode with surprise. Her screams become watery gurgles as blood fills her lungs. She gags, 
clutching at her throat. Lord, why did you come down here? Edgar brings the shovel up high and delivers a sickening blow down onto her skull. The edge of the shovel slicing her face in two. She drops down dead. Why, Lenore? Why did you have to follow me? Lenore, you must never speak of this again. You must be silent. Here, here are the curtains which you helped me to hang, and there, the room where we made love so many times. You will be silent, Lenore. Edgar stops before the magnificent grandfather clock in the east wing. He pushes Lenore's broken body inside the huge cabinet of gears and pulleys and closes the door. He collapses, exhausted. Are you in there? Uh, one moment, please. Edgar awoke in a hazy memory of a nightmare. His brain was thumping against his skull, and a fist was thumping against the door, and the heartbeats that had driven him to the edge of insanity remained a distant but ever-present warning. Edgar! Just a minute! Inspector King, good morning. Door was open. Good morning. Edgar, you look awful. Yes. Um, thank you. I had a, a very bad dream, a sort of, um, a sort of nightmare. I see. Uh, last night? Well, yes, I, I've, just, I've just awoken. Oh. Oh, it may be that goes somewhere to explaining it then. Explaining what? Oh, a, a courier was passing by the estate on his way into town last night, reported hearing some terrible screams. Female. Really? Hmm. Did, did you hear anything last night? No. Um, l l last night I, I was in the East Wing, which I've sectioned yeah. off with, with heavy blankets to prevent loss of heat during I the see. winter. It could be that if there were screams, I, I may not have, I may not have, I may I, not have heard them. I see. Uh, do you know where your maid, Lenore, is? Yeah, you know, I'm sure she's around here somewhere. <laughs> or she may have gone on an errand for, for my wife. Uh, I see. Would you mind, would you mind if I, uh, I took a look up there? Yes, uh, yes, of, of course, uh, it's just, just this way. Thank you. That is magnificent. I'm sorry? This clock, it's certainly the largest I've ever seen. Yes. Edgar? It's been here for... Edgar, are you? No. What's wrong? The, the pendulum, it's swinging. Would you like some water? This clock hasn't worked Edgar. for as long as... Edgar, I must now consider Mr. Grimm as a missing person. And we need to find Lenore to rule out any foul play, either on, on her part or worse, befalling her. You understand? Yes, yes, uh, yes, of, of course. Good. Now, in the meantime, I suggest you and your wife are extra vigilant. <laughs> 
My wife. Of course, my wife. Have you, have you spoken to her? I spoke with her this morning, yes. She claims to have heard nothing. Good. Yeah, that's really very good. Although... Although what, Edgar? Uh, nothing. Um, no, really, uh, nothing. Nothing at all. Edgar? Um, please, see yourself out, Inspector. I really must speak with my wife. There you are, Marie. And with Bernice, how perfect. Hello, Edgar. Hello, darling. I came up here to see if I could find a clue or a note as to where Lenore could have gone, and I found this. What is it? Dear Diary, today was a very special day for me. Edgar and I did it standing up against the outhouse wall. It was so thrilling to be doing such a naughty thing where everyone could see. I truly believe he will leave that horrid woman one day soon and we shall be together. Would you like to hear more? Would I like to hear more? More of what? Marie? More of the diary? More of the clock? The beating heart? More of the wind? Of the creaks and groans of this merry hell I have come to exist within. Oh, it's all about you, isn't it, Edgar? Ah! I knew you were pathetic, but seducing the maid. To be honest, I didn't think you had it in you. Where were you last night, Marie? I was in my room. Why? A courier passed by and reported hearing screams coming from within, yet you have said not a word. Did you hear nothing? Screams? It was probably that silly little whore being frightened by a mouse. I was asleep. Surely if screams could be heard from the road, you would have been roused from your sleep, would you not? Where is Lenore, Edgar? Where were you, dear? Fine. If you must know, I was out. Out? Where? None of your business, Who were you darling. with, Marie? Fine. I was with another man. A real man. One who loves me and wants me and makes me feel special. Who? Who are you with? I was with Lawrence! That's right. Lawrence. He loves me. And as soon as this place is sold, we are away to London. And I will never have to look upon your wretched features again. Does it hurt, Edgar? <laughs> I hope so. Now you can remain with Lenore in this decaying village, and I hope you are both as happy as we shall be, although I doubt it. She's dead. What? Lenore. She's dead. I killed her. I cut off her head with a shovel, and I hacked off her limbs and hid them inside the old grandfather clock. Murderer. You killed the old man as well, didn't you? Very good, Marie. His eye, his disgusting vulture's eye staring at me. I killed him. I held his throat until he breathed no more. And the note, how, how did you forge the note? Forge? But there was no need. 
The old man had me filling in his ledgers for years. The hand I showed you and that idiotic inspector was my own. The greater the lie, the more the believing. You're mad. No, I disagree. I disagree entirely. Well, not entirely. You see, I think you may just be a little confused, as I once was. You see, I was... Nobody can hear you, Marie. Somebody! I'm talking. You see, I was mad when I cooked and cleaned and gardened and took order upon order without so much as a thank you. Now, you see, now... I am sane and finally seizing my own destiny. And God, it feels, it feels very liberating, Marie. Upon hearing the door, Edgar seized Marie by the throat, <laughs> pinning her silently against the wall. The black cat stared at the deadly marital embrace, and Edgar kicked a boot at it, causing it to leap back, hissing. Marie, Edgar, are you in there? It was Master Lawrence Grimm. Come to confront Edgar man to man regarding the whereabouts of his uncle. Edgar, I've come to confront you man to man regarding the whereabouts of my uncle. Open this door at once! Let me go! Don't struggle, Marie. Don't move a muscle. You wouldn't want me to have to kill you before you witness... Oh, no. You know, I won't ruin the surprise. Edgar, I can hear you! Cease your confounded thumping and give me a minute. And Bernice, stop that hissing at once! Edgar bound and gagged Marie swiftly and placed her upright in the corner of the room, concealing all except her face behind a thick drape, allowing her to see all that would unfold. What is the matter, man? Where is she? Where is Marie? You don't even try to hide it, do you, adulterer? You can talk. I saw you and your maid, Lenore, doing it standing up behind the outhouse. Anyway, I care not. Some foul and wicked deed befell my uncle by your hand. And you are going to tell me, or by God... Like lightning, Edgar reaches for the nearest weapon, but instead grabs the tail of the black cat and swings the beast above him... Smashing the skull upon the head of Master Lawrence Grimm with a sickening smack. The cat, limp and lifeless, is thrust aside as Edgar advances upon the barely conscious man. You see, Marie? I was wrong about something. That cat was not so useless after all. Come, come here, Master Lawrence. Do not shuffle away, so I have more to teach you. Master Lawrence Grimm met his end that afternoon. And I'm sorry to say that it was neither swift nor painless. Far from it. I cannot bring myself to relate the details to you here in this room. But I can tell you that it involved the leg of a stool and a length of rusty chain. When Marie comes round, she still cannot move, but her bindings feel so much more solid. She cannot move a single muscle, nor see the slightest bit of light. Suddenly, a match is struck before her face, illuminating Edgar's hideous and twisted visage merely inches away from her. Yes, she is in the cellar. But the perspective, she cannot quite understand. Welcome back, Marie. And thank you for not screaming. At least, not yet. Edgar, where am I? 
What have you done? <laughs> now, my darling, time to sleep. You must be, oh, so tired. Here, let me tuck you in, safe and warm. Edgar, what are you doing? Shh, now, my darling, shh. Nobody will ever find you in here. Edgar, please don't bury me. Edgar, please, I'm frightened. Do not fear. My darling, for here, I have brought company for you. Edgar, mad, deranged, psychotic Edgar holds up the ragged, broken body of the black cat, its skull still wet with the blood smeared along the side of its face and matted into its fur. He thrusts the tiny, lifeless body inside the tomb he has made for Marie. A tomb inside the walls of the cellar. The very walls which hold up the great mansion. A tomb which he has excavated, then installed her inside, and then walled her up to the neck, one by one. Edgar, please don't do this. He replaces the final bricks cutting off the oxygen to his wife, and near silencing her sobs and screams for mercy, for freedom. He leaves the cellar, stepping deliberately on the fresh mound of earth left by the burying of Master Lawrence Grimm. Edgar, open up. It's me, Inspector King. Why, good evening, Inspector King. What can I do for you? Good evening, Edgar. This is Officer Patterson. He's here to assist me with the search of the grounds. We are to leave no stone unturned. Yes, feel free to examine every nook and cranny, though I think you ought to know the mystery is all but solved. My wife absconded with Master Grimm. I imagine Master Lawrence, my maid Lenore, my wife, and the old man are together somewhere, though <laughs> I know not where. Really? Well, that would certainly be a very neat explanation. All disappeared together. However, it would, of course, leave you with one question unanswered. Why? Why would they leave? I mean... If they wanted to be rid of you from their lives, why not just ask you to leave? You have no claim to this house, Edgar. Yes. Yes, of course. No, no claim at all. Now, I th thought we might begin our search in the East Wing, if you don't mind. What's that noise? Pray God, it cannot be. It sounds like, it sounds like a cat scratching at the wall. No, 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 it's coming from inside. No, beneath us. Edgar, is there some uh, cellar beneath us? I uh, know not. Surely if uh, a manor such as this would boast some vast wine cellar or, or grain storage beneath it. Uh, uh, of course. Um, this way, gentlemen. Edgar swings the door wide, expecting to see the spectre of the old man hovering toward him from the gloom. Not even the assembled police presence could calm his nerve. It's here, Patterson. Listen. There's a cat stuck inside this wall. You can hear it scratching. Help me get 
move these bricks. Edgar stumbles backwards, the silence pushing his mind to breaking. Partisan, there's something here. Oh, oh, the smell. The sounds pushed onwards, pounding, pounding, pounding. Suddenly, all of the guilt, fear, anger, and pain combined in one giant release of power from Edgar. Villains, dissemble no more. It is the beating of the hideous heart. Without warning, Edgar smashed Patterson over the head with the shovel. It is the chiming of the clock, the scratching of the cat villains. Haunt me no more. With this last, Edgar ran, pursued by Inspector King. Edgar! Edgar, you should know I have a gun and will use it. Come out, Edgar! Inspector King stands in the hallway to the east wing, the giant clock towering over him. Suddenly, Edgar swings the shovel from behind the clock, slicing the hand Inspector King is holding the gun with clean off. The gun and the hand spin away across the floor. I'm sorry to have to do this to you, Inspector, but I cannot leave Stotterton Hall. You see, my family have been here for generations. Inspector King covers his eyes, awaiting the fatal blow which will send him to the next life. And as he lies there, he becomes aware of a silence. He lowers his hand and looks to where Edgar was advancing. Oh, the, the clock. <laughs> it's... It stopped. Seizing the moment, Inspector King shoots towards the clock and grabs the side with his remaining hand and gives a huge shove. Edgar can only stand watching as the mighty timepiece crashes on top of him, crushing him and killing him. The inspector kneels on the cold, hard ground the ordeal over. The mystery of the grim of Stotterston Hall finally solved. From beneath the clock, Edgar's hand twitches one last time before freezing for eternity. Leading to isolation, mental illness, and eventually insanity. All body parts have now been recovered and given proper burial, and for now at least the estate has been isolated from the rest of the world, at least until these atrocities have been given time to fade into myth, though how long that may take one can only speculate. I found Edgar Herbert to be a Genial, lucid, and intelligent man. I am not one for tales of spooks, ghosts, or phantom noises, merely figments of an emotionally disturbed man witnessing the infidelity of a scarlet woman, but I can never be able to comprehend the evil man is capable of. Inspector S. W. King. Stotterson Hall was recorded in front of a live audience at Headliners Comedy Club, Chiswick. It was written and directed by Stuart Price, produced by Mariel Runacre Temple, and co-produced by Fran Kirkham. Edgar was played by David Beck, Marie by Jessica Dennis, Lenore was played by Leonie Hill, 
Master Lawrence Grimm was played by Andrew Glenn, Inspector King was played by Josh Cass, and our narrator was Knight Mantell. Music was written and performed by Michael Brutes, recorded and engineered by Scott Weiber and Randall Brenneman, Foley and Miking by Dean Elliott, Jack Bowman and Reuben Anderson. <laughs>